What's up, bookworms? This is Megan coming at you with another Cantina Conversation. Today's episode is a chat with Lyndall Clipstone. We're talking about Unholy Terrors. That book is available now. This was such an awesome conversation with Lyndall. I really enjoyed learning about um, her life as an Australian, and I appreciated how authentic and real she got about just being used to, uh, you know, adjusting to life as a writer and balancing out, you know, that writer work-life balance. Um, But either way, I'll let you guys get to it. Here is Lyndall Lyndall Clipstone. We're talking about That book is out now. Thank you so much, Lyndall, for making the time to talk with me today. This book was eerie and creepy and dark and different from what I'm used to anyway. I can't speak for anybody else. So um, I'm excited to have the opportunity to, to dive a little bit deeper today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's really fun to revisit the book after it's been out for a while, too. Yeah, I know, right? Like after um, kind of hearing some feedback and seeing, you know, I bet it you so long. So you're like, it seemed like I bet it seemed like it happened so slow. Like now that's finally out. I feel like it's slow and fast. Like it kind of has two speeds. But I was I traveled for the first time from Australia to America to do some uh, launch events and things. So yeah. I feel like I'm just sort of catching my breath now after getting back. So. Um, so I went to New York, um, and then I was staying with a friend's family who live in Albany. Um, and that was sort of like a little bit of a break. They drove, drove us around to see some of the, the sites. We were there at perfect fall leaf season. Yeah, time. they do so like touristy stuff. Um, I'm such the fall foliage. It's so pretty there. It's, um, and we drove over to Massachusetts for one night to do an event, an unlikely story, and then back into New York for a few days and then home again. So it was two very busy weeks, but I'd never been to the East Coast before. Um, and That's that was only my awesome. second time in the States. So, well, where yeah, did you go the first time? time? Uh, I went to California. So you went to the West Coast the first time. Then you went yeah. To the West Coast. <laughs> yeah. Next, next stop, Midwest, right? Or the I guess, Southeast yeah. or whatever, okay. you know. I think the West Coast is definitely like, quote unquote, closer to get to from Australia. Like it was a really long flight to New York. But oh, it was okay. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Because I know so. I'm in Chicago, so I'm like in the Midwest. So that's why I'm like, nope, you got one stop left. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, I have like a friend who lives in Chicago as well. And I was sort of like trying to figure out if we could squeeze that in. But right. Time, I, I know. Guess, it's like, <laughs> yeah, you either have, yeah, you either take like a quick flight, quick day trip. Can you fit it in? But it's like, yeah, a hassle either way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I'm, you know, Glad you had a good first experience and I, you know, I hope you come back to do some more press or to just hang out. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I definitely would love to come back. It was great fun. Yeah, perfect. I, you know, I wish I could say, with, say the same about Australia, to be honest. I'm a little bit scared. Like, I feel like every everything there is trying to kill you, so... <laughs> No, I think we're kind of used to it, but also <laughs> that's a perfect answer. I love it. It's like we're used to it. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I I grew up in the country, so I kind of like was very like snakes were like the big thing for us. Um. But you, you but, know how to yeah. wrangle them. Uh. Mostly, you just they just leave you alone, and um. Yeah, and like I'm kind of very unafraid of spiders which is like the other big Australian thing yeah, like no. I catch them and let them outside like I catch them in a jar and let them out so <laughs> I became brave when I had kids otherwise I'm like calling my friends my male friends or my neighbors like hey there's a creature underneath my toilet can you come get it <laughs> otherwise like there there was a time I remember a few incidents where um my husband was like away or he was at work or something. And then uh, we have a dog, but I'm like, I don't, I don't think you should be touching that. I don't think you should be. No. Touching that. And I'm like, we're, we're, they were about to go to bed and they found a spider on the ceiling. And I'm like, is this really going to bother you? Do you really need to take care of it? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, the one that you just met was uh, he's six. And the other one's like mm-hmm. almost three, like next week. And so I was like, oh, the bigger be brave for my kids kids. otherwise I am like I'm I see like a circle with eight legs and I I (laughs) something triggers inside of me where I'm like nope nope (laughs) 
<laughs> so no uh kudos to that's why i figure like anybody from australia is just like fearless or they we are yeah. i think it's like people grow up with being like yeah you can swim in the ocean and a shark might eat you yes there's like venomous snakes living in the garden or yes, you might like, step on a jellyfish and you're you yeah i've like, stepped on a jellyfish before and it's like unpleasant but it's, yeah, <laughs> it's just... <laughs> i love your attitude you're like yeah, it's unpleasant but well i wasn't a super poisonous one though like it was just a stingy one so i'm not a huge fan of the deep ocean though i like to be able to touch the bottom so yeah no i'm right there with you like no i'm i know how to swim i'm not afraid of i'm afraid of the ocean if i'm like stranded that's where i like draw the line otherwise yeah i'm right there with you it's like if i can yeah. see shore if i can see land like I'm okay <laughs> but if there's no land i like that's like one of my worst fears even though i'd probably never be in a situation where i'd ever find myself in that like fear you know like <laughs> yeah but no um now that we've gotten past that let's talk about your book <laughs> <laughs> can can you have like a little summary uh for people who haven't um picked it up yet and they can follow along with the conversation sure so unholy terrors is a standalone gothic fantasy about a girl called Eveline blackthorn who is a holy warrior tasked with protecting a magic wall built of bones against monsters known as the Vesper Time. And then when a series of strange omens occurs, she abandons her post and goes into the forbidden area beyond the wall to try and find out what's happening. And as part of that, she ends up teaming up and making a, I guess, reluctant truce with one of the Vesper team in order to find out what is happening just in general but also she's looking for answers about what happened to her mother who died when Evelyn was born so yeah 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 there's there's a little heavy stuff sprinkled in there (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so can you go into your background because I know this isn't your first published book um so can you like you know your background and maybe what led you to uh tell Everlene's story Sure. So it's actually my third published book. My first books were a duology. So there was Lake Sedge and Forest Fall. They were two halves of like a gothic romance duology about a girl who falls in love with the cursed lord of an estate and makes a bargain with the lord to save him. So uh, after working on a series, it was fun to dive into a new world. And I think I wanted to do something a bit different after working on a books that was sort of set in a house and then set in like a very foresty kind of magical world. So I chose somewhere with like a Wuthering Heights kind of feeling setting and really leaned into sort of like the dark religious aesthetics of like ruined cathedrals and things like that. But I don't know. I think with Evelyn, I wanted to look at a character who was sort of not on her own in the world in the way that the character in my first book the character in my first book was quite alone in the world um like she was sort of she had like a younger brother that she was incredibly protective of but that was really her only other person and so I liked the idea of exploring a character who wasn't perhaps so lonely like Evelyn's mm-hmm. got she's got a half sister she's got her father and she's got a really close relationship with her best friend but she's still very much searching for her place in the world like a big part of her story is the fact that she didn't have the same magic as all the other wardens and also that her mother was a deserter so when she was born it was after her mother had like deserted her post and run off from the wall in a way that Evelyn ends up repeating because it's kind of like the only way to find out what really happened when she was born is to repeat the same sort of sin that her mother made so it was fun exploring that sort of dynamic, looking at this idea of like destiny and finding your identity in the face of like what you're born into and things like that. And yeah, I guess setting it in kind of like a ideologically opposite sort of world where we've got like a holy, unholy, and then like the, the protectors versus the monsters that was an interesting dynamic to explore as she sort of found out more about herself and her place in the world 
Right. Yeah. Cause like, it's definitely like a fantasy novel or dark fantasy. And, but you incorporated like human situations into this fantasy world, like a world building scenario. So yeah, it's like, she's been kept in the dark for like ever. Like, and, and as much as she wants like that approval, there's a part of her that's also like, at least as a reader, I get to know, I know that she, she knows already that she has to break rules to get the answers that she needs. Like she's known that for yeah. a long time. She's known that for a long time before she actually does it, you know? And Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, she's spent all of this time trying to live up to these very high standards that her father set for her, which are almost impossible to live up to. Um, yeah. And it's so difficult because um, like, he's, he's kind of kept her at arm's length, you know? And yeah, and she, I, I liked him a lot as a character. Like he's sort of, I feel like he's like a bad dad doing his Yeah. Best. I didn't, like, I didn't hate him. <laughs> I didn't blame him. You know, <laughs> I think it's kind of like, I love writing parents who are kind of just, you know, like he was making really bad choices, but like he's just trying to figure out, like, I think, it's kind of like a choice is made with really good intentions. So I was like, if I just keep in the dark about everything, maybe it'll be okay. It's like, mm, no, but I liked how she was at this sort of situation where she tried really hard to do everything the right way. And then it got to the point where she sort of was like, okay, no, I have to, I have to try the wrong way because that's the only way yeah. that I'll get the answers that I'll need. It's the only way that she could really move forward. So and then she knows, like, there's such a heavy implication to that. Like, she knows if she does that, she's risking not exile. She's risking, yeah, you know, she's betrayal. Kind of like, yeah. So I think it's that kind of really sort of pressure point moment of like, ta- like taking a big risk to see what you can learn about yourself which I feel like is kind of a relatable theme for young yeah. adult readers so and I think exploring it in like this fantasy world I mean it is like a fantasy setting but I really love writing books that are quite you know small stakes intimate character driven yeah kind of yeah because uh Evie we're gonna we can call her Evie for the rest of the <laughs> the rest of the chat right <laughs> um versus a uh, Ravel right it is kind of like small stakes between the two of them, even though it's like, well, it seems like it's small stakes, but it's amplified because of the I history. think it's kind of like a narrowed in, like, big conflict played out on a small scale kind of thing. And, like, I really enjoyed looking at this sort of, like, the personal implications of growing up in a world where everyone has a very strong ideology and you've kind of been led to believe a particular way and then it gets to the point where you can either sort of continue with that or make a choice to sort of make a change and I liked sort of Mm. the more that she and Ravel got to know each other even though they were enemies and had plenty of good reasons not to make it more they sort of saw of each other the more like they wanted to be sympathetic i suppose right yeah Yeah. there's like a little there's like a little bit deeper there but then at the same time it's like well no she's on a mission and she's got to do what she's got to do you know there are risks there are consequences but she's like excuse me for swearing she's like fuck it like she's like (laughs) we're gonna like okay there's no going back you know yeah and i think the fact that like friend gets put at risk is sort of like adds this extra pressure point because now it's not just about her as well like she's got this added sort of reason to sort of keep going yeah no that's what I really enjoyed about this book was um the female friendship and the female like or just relationships in general because she also you know she had a complicated feelings towards her half-sister Briar right yeah uh yeah and then um Lex or Lux or Lux, yeah. Lux, yeah. So, so it's like she has that female friendship, that security. And we're like, I totally relate to that where she was like, oh, hell no, I'm going to go after her, you know? And whereas mm-hmm. like with Briar, where she's like, okay, do you really have to be a part of this? And then it's like, she kind of reluctantly, like eventually 
realizes like no i i kind of need you <laughs> yeah you know? i yeah. really loved like the dynamic between the three of them was a lot of fun to write and i feel like as an adult i went through like a period of sort of finding like really really good like my really good friend group and feeling like that importance of having a connection with female friends um yeah the writing the trio of them and seeing them sort of work out the the dynamic between the three of them was really fun and i think some some dark shit you know (laughs) yeah light for death situations i imagine kind of had to like take that to the next level right yeah i mean i really love sort of pushing things to a point where it feels kind of emotionally intense i think because it's such a married in like character driven story so yeah and i think like it's it was reflective of like the stakes of the world that they're in this kind of sort of society where they've been brought up to yeah. themselves in situations and things like that but yeah they're just yeah. like trying to live within the restrictions but then it's like that's where the story starts it's like well in order to learn things and to figure things out they have to venture out they have to yeah. like, break the rules yeah mm. so your previous works uh kind of focus on the gothic romance a dark fantasy right like what draws you to that genre I think because I really enjoy writing very character-driven stories and stories that have like a strong romantic and emotional intensity that gothic particularly or dark fantasy often gives like a good space for that sort of thing because it's so intimate and personal and visceral like the horror is often you know it's happening either within you or very close around you and there's this strong sense of like claustrophobia or being being in an environment where like the threat is part of the the natural world sort of thing so I think I've just always enjoyed exploring the sort of idea of like the horror coming from something familiar and something close and gothic is such a fun and big sort of (laughs) sandbox to play in with that sort of thing no i like that sentiment um i could see how authors have fun playing with that it's just like well these are it's a little therapeutic right you could just kind of like imagine things that aren't (laughs) that aren't real but you could still throw things at your characters and in the world that you yeah and i think Like it's that's that is something kind of cathartic about dealing with like horrors that are under your control. I suppose. I mean, it's like this is like as both a writer and a reader, you can encounter like frightening, monstrous, dangerous situations, but it's in a controlled space. You know, like it's confined within the borders of fiction. It's going to have like a resolution where usually things will work out I mean gothic traditionally always has like a happily ever after ending which seems kind of funny when you think about it because it's such a like dark tense genre but yeah I think it's like a way to sort of interact with things that are sort of threatening but in a way that keeps it at a distance to you and so it is cathartic yeah and I think no matter what no matter what genre or whatever i think a lot of readers most readers just they they are they have that hope right they not just with i know for romance like you gotta have that happy ending like you gotta have that they end up together blah 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 but like everybody loves it i still love the forbidden love the enemies to lovers the fake dating even though it's like (laughs) okay this is a trope i still i'm a sucker for it like so it's like things like yours it's like you know uh the dark fantasy or the dark romance um you still even though the romance is not like the focal point i think readers still kind of like pay attention to it and they still hope oh despite all this scary eerie bullshit going on like whatever <laughs> they whatever they gotta figure out whatever you know heartbreaking scenario they have to get through you still hope for a happy ending right you still hope for for like a resolution yeah and I think like it's always a fun challenge writing an ending where it feels sort of 
like a conclusion that serves the character as well without being too convenient or too tidy or yeah so yeah. <laughs> I quite liked that like without giving any spoilers I liked how the ending of Unholy Terrors kind of felt like I wanted to write an ending where like the readers could continue to imagine like where the story would go next so it didn't feel closed off but like in terms of like reading it it's, it is sort of an ending but you can also imagine like what happens to them afterwards yeah yeah definitely because obviously spoiler free but you're like it's not perfect and it kind of you know you want to make it natural you want to make it authentic and yeah. you want to make it believable and you want to make it kind of like where the reader can respect it and also make their own yeah opinions. I think authentic yeah. an authentic ending is like a good way to put it I think coming off writing a duology where like the ending has to sort of bear the weight of so much happening because it's like two full books of action I think <laughs> I like the uh, crafting endings was kind of on my mind but I always knew how I wanted it to end as well like the sort of final image um was one of like usually when I write something I sort of can imagine quite early on there's like a few key moments in the book that I know like I want to happen and for this one at least like I knew how I wanted it to end so that was helpful you know that that's that's part of the battle right that's fantastic yeah like okay I just gotta fill in the blanks you know (laughs) yeah I mean that's always surprises that come up as well because like I find that the specific points where I always tend to get stuck but I think if I can usually know what I'm working towards, that helps a lot. I, I've interviewed authors where, like, I don't know, so my character turned out to be a dog owner. Like, <laughs> <laughs> things were like a dog showed up and they never left. I was like, you know, I'm a dog. I'm a I'm a dog lover too. So I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so no, I get it. I get it. It's like when you you read the story or you're writing the story and you're like, oh, something's happened where I didn't think that would happen. You know, it's. It, but, but yeah you just you just let it you let it happen right yeah and I think sometimes like I kind of do like a rough outline and sometimes it'll work really well on paper in like an outline and then I'll start writing it and I'm like this absolutely is not working now so it's interesting how like the, sometimes when you zoom right in and sort of start moving the characters around on the page how it does need to change just because it doesn't yeah. feel right so but that's, that's a fun part of writing like those little discoveries exactly exactly kind of hop it off of that a little bit can we explore the research involved like did you approach it the same way like as you do your other works like any surprising or fascinating things that you learned while you're researching to develop the story I think for me research is usually more about consuming other things that help like inspire the sort of aesthetic of the book and things like that so I was sort of looking at a lot of Pinterest sort of boards making a lot of boards of like what I wanted the clothes to look like what I wanted the setting to feel like thinking about other sort of things that had the kind of vibe that I wanted to bring into the story things like that so yeah because yeah. like so a lot of the clothing like the armor was like bones right so mm-hmm. like um and that's kind of like because I was looking at the cover too and I was like how did how did that go um well how much input did you have with the cover because I know some authors are like oh I had the vision board and all that but some authors are like oh, I don't know they just showed me what was going to happen <laughs> and I like I had it- yeah, I've had experiences with both over, like, most of my books. Like, my American publisher has been pretty good about letting me be involved. I think my UK publisher was just like, here's the cover, but I loved it, so it was fine. Um, but, yeah, so for the cover of Unholy Terrors, I got to do, like, a little vision board, and they had, like, what are some of the key themes in the book? Who are the main characters? What sort of, you know, things do you, you know, imagine, like, key scenes, whatever? Um, and so I did all of that and then I gave them a list of illustrators who I really liked. I think my main sort of thing was I said I think it would be really cool to have an illustrator and have like a full wrap jacket where it feels like when you unfold it, it's like one image. And I sent 
some examples of like other book covers that was sort of what I was thinking. Oh, so, very cool. Yeah, and they ended up choosing one of the artists who was called Welder Wings, and they do these really cool digital collages out of, I guess, Creative Commons um like classic artworks so it was really cool to get to work with them and to see what they came up with and yeah I sort of I think I had a few different sort of options and then it was between what I liked and what the sales team liked and we kind of narrowed it down to the final version and yeah it was I really love how striking it is that's yeah because I remember uh seeing the cover and I was like oh like (laughs) what's gonna what's gonna happen what's going on and then once I progressed through the story I was like oh okay like (laughs) but yeah you gotta like you know you don't want to compete against other authors because you guys are all a part of this community right and but you know that you're gonna be like your cover is gonna be with other covers so yeah yeah I think it's like Um, and I'm really glad that I'm not like a cover designer because I think what I would come up with would probably like be very different from it's interesting because like I'm an illustrator so I always like oh I have to try not to be like too much of a backseat driver and trust the the team knows what they're doing and I think yeah I really love how it turns out I love how unique it is um I love how it's sort of still very eye-catching like seeing it when it was out seeing it on shelves and yeah how like it looks in the wild and everything yeah <laughs> I love that yeah. like, my, my book in the wild <laughs> yeah but because it's hard to envisage like you know when you get sent like this flat image in an email and then you sort of think oh yeah but like how is it going to look like across the room you see it on the shelf on and shelf. you're like yeah oh. <laughs> Getting to see it is really, yeah, and seeing all, like, the elements of it come together and everything is really fun. But I have, like, an amazing team at Macmillan. The art director, Rich Deus, who's done all my covers, is really good. He just always does such amazing work. So it's yeah, it's kind really of one of the, fun to work with them. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things where you kind of have to, like, trust their expertise, right? It's yeah, like, and I'm such yeah. a control freak, so surrendering, <laughs> like, I always have this real moment of anxiety, like when it comes up to the cover and like, you know, I usually sort of freak out about just because it's like, you have to commit, like, this is going to be the face of the book now. And, but it's, it's your baby. It's your baby. You got to choose your baby's face. (laughs) But I think being traditionally published is like a big exercise in surrendering control because, you know, like the, the plus sides that you have that go along with it. Of yeah, not having to do everything yourself mean that you do have to sort of defer to like what they need for covers and book design and things like that. But it's it's yeah. it's good. I mean, it's like a good challenge to me as a control freak because I'm sure like if I was doing it all myself, like sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have just you know if I self published, I could do all of this. But I love being part of a big publisher and working as part of a team and it's kind well, of yeah, nice to kinda, see how like it comes out collaboratively as well exactly you kind of have yeah. to like you know it's like a give and take it's like when yeah you, you 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 accept the help you seek the help to promote your work but then it's like well there's more cooks in the kitchen right <laughs> so <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta deal with it you gotta take but it's like i i imagine it's so worth it you know like with all the promotion that you get like without uh, having to do it on your own right yeah I mean I do a lot as well like I feel like I probably sort of I'm feeling burned out now post-release I think I sort of definitely overwhelmed myself doing all the things um but that's just kind of I guess like the personality Is that how, did like, you feel the same way with your other book releases or yeah I think so with my first book it came out during COVID and or like oh, it was like okay. a 2021 that was release. like a whole business as unusual you know yeah so <laughs> my publisher had sort of changed the way that all of the marketing was happening because there was no in-person things and so you know like everyone sort of pivoted and started trying to work out how to do things digitally and I kind of I think it worked out really well actually like it was even though like it was quite a chaotic time, it was a good time for books because people wanted to read, people wanted an escape. People and yeah, they needed yeah things to keep 
gonna take up their time and yeah. like books you can just download it on kindle i don't know like or you i can, know yeah even it's like you don't want a physical or if you want a physical copy you can get it's like yeah, yeah. that's i mean that's, that's the thing I mean. it was like that was one of the one of the things that like kept going still was like you know people wanted to read and still wanted an escape and yeah so that was nice but yeah now like this is my first book coming out post like Oh, you know, okay. like post COVID, so post like yeah. yeah. So it's been I've been interesting because it was my first time doing in person events and like my first time sort of marketing a book where like in person things are opening up. And so I'm still using a lot of what I learned with my first book. I think by necessity, I sort of channeled a lot of my debut author anxiety into learning a lot about marketing and things like that. And are you but, okay with like doing in person events now? Like after being used to like not <laughs> I I don't know I think it was really fun um it was a lot like I'm a big introvert so I think I did my best to sort of make the most of my time without yeah. overwhelming myself but it was I know I was really jet lagged like it was kind of because there's such a big time difference so I feel like it right. was so much fun to meet other authors and meet other readers and now I'm sort of like oh I wish I'd had more energy right to really, yeah. like well, see, introverts, <laughs> like, they just feed off of, uh, they get their energy from alone time, whereas, like, extroverts get their energy from people time. Yeah. So I think, so I, like, I, I, extroverts, they can function, <laughs> they can function in social settings, they just need a break every now and then, you know what I mean? So I, I like, I don't know, I thought I was an introvert, but I think I'm, like, what's the an ambervert? Like, I think I'm kind of in between yeah. the two. Like, I, I feed off of the energy, but I'm also, like, no, I, I just want a, a, two days to myself where I don't talk to anybody. Like, I yeah, just, like, I definitely yeah. like, I really love, so like doing virtual events is kind of weird because you sort of, you do the event and, right. you know, like you can't see who's there and you don't really get to interact with anyone. And then at the end, it's like, it just turns off and you're in your house. So I really loved doing events and getting to meet readers afterwards and getting to sort of hang around with like the booksellers and the authors. I think getting to meet booksellers was one of the biggest like joys yeah of the trip too like getting to go into bookstores because my book was an indie next pick as well on holy towers um, awesome. and that was my yeah that was like my a new first energy. time so. it's a different type yeah, of energy so, yeah and i've always been so grateful to booksellers for all of the support they've given me in my books especially considering that i'm so far away so it was really lovely to go into stores and meet people and get to meet authors in person it was a lot but yeah i think I I love doing in-person things, but I think I need like a good balance of like an event and then a lot of time alone, not yeah. talking to anyone. <laughs> well, you just gotta yeah, schedule it, you know. You just gotta yeah. schedule your in-person events and then give yourself like a week and then schedule yeah. some more. And I think like it's been a good like learning curve like for how to to balance. Yeah, the how, two yeah, how much and, you're yeah. you're willing you feel like you feel like doing, you know? Yeah, and seeing what works and what doesn't. Because, yeah. you know, like I always had this sort of fear of like, oh, am I going to lose out on opportunities because I'm not able right. to be physically oh, present? God, that, sort of... That's such a good point. <laughs> like, do you force yourself into events because you feel like you want to still promote your book or you promote your work? But then, like, yeah. do you, are you, are you 100% for it? You know, like, will you, when you arrive, will you be 100%? you know yeah. yeah and it was definitely good sort of doing a range of different things and seeing like what I enjoyed more and what felt like it was worth doing and all of that sort of thing so yeah yeah absolutely it'll be good to absolutely. know for the future yeah. absolutely oh that's so important no I appreciate your honesty about that because that's you know I I feel like you know you share a lot of because when I interview authors it's like it's really common where they're like, eh, I'm not that person, but I got to do it. And so, <laughs> but then once they do it, they're like, oh, I like, I, they love meeting readers. Like, yeah, like meeting readers and meeting booksellers is always worth it. Like, no matter how yeah. exhausting or, you know, yeah. I get from social things, it's always, you're just, just like, I'm going to do it because, yeah, I because I remember you. how it was. <laughs> to be a reader and be an aspiring author and go to events and hear authors talk it was always just so so much fun for me and it's now being on the other side of it I love it it's really nice to get the feedback of hearing people just enjoy hearing like an author talk yeah. about their book and their process so I love being able to do that it's such a great opportunity yeah. that's awesome no I bet um 
So I'm going to hit you with a two-part question. So what okay. were the most <laughs> what were the most challenging parts to write? And then what were the most enjoyable parts to write? Um, most challenging, I think, was probably just, like, the logistics of, you know, the magic system and them going on the quest to build the armor and how all of these sort of things would work um, to make it sort of, you know, seem interesting when they were sort of I don't know I like I always love a good like quest narrative but it's sort of you know it's fun in like a it feels like you're playing a video game kind of way but also making that sort of interesting on paper so I guess maintaining the tension while they were sort of just going around looking for bones together <laughs> was um that's such a challenge. funny way to yeah. just looking and, for bones like <laughs> I mean and like and that was one of the things where like on that outline it was kind of like oh and now they go here and now they go here and like in an outline it worked and now I'm like but this is like this is not working on paper so trying to sort of fit in like the emotional arc and like the development and, and her relationship with Briar all around like the central sort of quest line it was it was challenging but in an enjoyable way because I love working out those craft related things yeah challenges um, are always yeah. fun I imagine that fitting fitting that romance in between that like eerie and like that eerie vibe the eerie yeah like yeah I imagine that was like kind of tricky and um, my favorite part to write was I guess combined was like the romance and then also the female friendship, I guess like the relationships. Like I love writing romances. I love writing romantic scenes and writing like the development of like a romance, especially like enemies to lovers where there's so much angst because, you know, you have so much ideological difference between the two characters and there's all of this heavy sort of, you know, oh, it's sin to fall for this person, but I can't help it. And, you know, like, it doesn't feel like it should be a sin, even though I know it is. And <laughs> that was, it was just so much fun. So writing, yeah, I loved writing Ravel. I could tell you had fun. Together. I could tell, as a reader, <laughs> I could tell you had fun because you were like, oh, I'll sprinkle this in there. <laughs> yeah. um, so <laughs> what, uh, just a couple more. This hour flew by. Um, it really did in the best way <laughs> exactly exactly i want to i want to respect everybody's time um so what do you hope readers get out of your story i just really hope they enjoy reading because you know like there's nothing like sitting down and being completely immersed in the story and just really really loving it and i hope that I mean, I wrote it thinking of how I felt as a teen girl where I was sort of like a bit adrift in the world and feeling a bit like a misfit and not knowing where I fit in and that sort of search for identity and security of like finding your place within yourself. So I hope if there's like a reader who needs to kind of see someone work through that, maybe like, you know, they'll find something in the book that resonates with them. I love that. I love that. It's so important. I feel like I feel like readers know that, but maybe people who don't read obsessively maybe don't realize, <laughs> don't realize like the therapeutic effect that reading could have. It's like I don't know. I, I reading has always been a part of my life, and I'm I'm you know even if I wasn't doing this, I would still be reading. Like yeah, same. Like I've know? always been a really big reader, and like yeah. reading was such a solace for me in my teen years, specifically. I mean, even now, like it's my. I guess my relationship with reading is is ever evolving, but I yeah, was, like, it changes. Always, always but like, reading. reading is still a part of your life. Yeah, right? and then I was a librarian, so I was reading a lot because I was working in a library and surrounded by books. And now I read a lot. You worked in a I'm library. An yeah. Oh my God, you were born to be a writer. <laughs> I think so. I I feel like I don't know. Yeah, it's in... like you you touched every facet of the reader life. I did. You know? I mean, and I think like being a writer is like the the best taking all the best parts of being a librarian because the parts that I didn't like was it's a very I worked in a public library for about six years, and it's a very public facing job. Uh, and so a lot like of... uh, the city public library or what? Yeah um so yeah and like public can you share uh, I so I worked in the city of Holdfast Bay which is 
I'm trying to think of the equivalent in America, what it would be like. It's like a kind of touristy upmarket coastal sort of area. Where okay, so did you, did you get a lot of touristy people? And It was kind of a mix because I think much like public libraries in the States, it's also like a place for a lot of people to go who may not have anywhere else. So we had like a lot of regulars where it was like quite a destination for them and Right. Um, uh, yeah. And then just a lot of regular patients who lived in the area. And we had like a very big, I was a children's librarian. So we had a very big children's program um, and we'd get really busy, really busy. And on you the holidays. said you have was... kids too. So are you like yeah. super like into I, it? <laughs> at the time, I was really into it because I sort of started working as a children's librarian right as I became a mom. So mm-hmm. I had like so you were a all about it. You were like in yeah. it. You were like, Yep. I was right in it. And my kids are both very, like, wriggly, active early walkers. So they did not enjoy going to baby time. So it was nice to be able to experience it on the other end. Oh, my um, God. That's adorable. See, I, like, <laughs> we have a brand new library. And I, I say we're going to the library. And they, my uh, first grader gets excited because it, he he can rent video games at the library. And I'm like, yeah. okay, you're still going to pick out a book. <laughs> like, You know, Mine's I'm like, really whatever gets you excited to go to the library, yeah. you know? Like, Our library and then now the- has like a Nintendo Switch as part of the library. Yes. And I'm like, we're not here yep. to play the Switch. Leave it alone. <laughs> yep. And then, but I'm not, you know, he became like really attached to it, but I'm like, well, he's still reading. He's still problem yeah. solving. He's still That's like true. going going through, you know, He's navigating um, through like yeah, a little. My kids a little... are really big. Exactly. Big so I'm like, I'm trying to justify yeah. it. Like, <laughs> it's. I'm, tr- I'm it's justifying the hard. I mean, yeah, but my kids love going to the library. Um, and my oldest is like a big manga reader. So I'll oh, either he'll come great. with How me old or is your youngest? You said eleven or? Yeah. So he's. he's oh, that's wonderful. I love. So that. I'll come I love, from the library. Whatever, like whatever they're into, or, I will yeah. support. If they want to read comics, they want to read yeah. manga. If they want to read whatever, yeah, it's all reading. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, it's and it's funny because I was in interstate for like. Um, an author event and one of the booksellers who is definitely like in the younger side compared to me was telling me all about how they were going to go and see the five nights at freddy's movie and i was like oh i know all about that because my kids look <laughs> so i was like good yeah i don't know i don't know about the five nights at freddy's but it looks fun it's actually is it is it is it really based good. on it's based on like a thing or what it's it's like a video game but it has oh okay like, interesting lore behind it which i kind of no i mean i i'm familiar yeah. with josh Hutcherson, so i'm like oh he can do no wrong he's Peta. <laughs> yeah exactly. from the hunger yeah, games was... right like yeah the movie had a really good cast but like the game like the video game itself there's like a series there's a whole lot of them and they have like really interesting sort of backstory and my kids are just really most so did you the see the movie the yet or is it just on i've your watch seen list? i've seen a bit of it they were watching it while i was in the room like they all oh, went to okay. see it without me because i was working but i was in the room just hanging around with them while they were you, you were uh, inadvertently like getting caught up in the plot <laughs> yeah that happens a lot with like you know they'll be watching something and i'll be i'll sit in there to do something else and then it's like you're, oh, you're a great. victim of the uh what the background noise <laughs> yeah definitely so i've seen like a lot of uh, they're really into watching they've been watching this anime called one piece so i'm kind of oh, like peripherally so, into uh, one piece when i'm <laughs> you say one piece i know i know uh my husband when i um even when i gave birth to my first he's six now the one you video loved. <laughs> um when he was born uh my husband was like okay take up the time in between when you need me or when the baby needs me he's gonna watch one piece so and you know it's like what a thousand episodes i don't even well, know i know it's just, yeah it's so he brilliant. watched that's what he watched while we were on medical leave or whatever mm-hmm. like family leave uh and then so now he's caught up and then he wanted to read the manga like the, the books mm-hmm. and so I, i'm like yes paper books i will buy you all the paper books <laughs> so i bought him all the paper books whenever they became available and and then he watches it online too so no i know i know the that it's a good story yeah i sort of i mean my youngest is i would it me. was hard not i was i remember i was like 
um, when he was catching up on the show on Netflix and I was just like on the couch reading and I'm like reading like this and I'm like, yeah, it's hard <laughs> like, not to get caught up. It was that. really hard not to like pay attention and not to like get into it. Like I get it. So yeah. I think that Netflix is doing it right, but it's like, uh, who knows if it's going to keep it going. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. I think we've watched, like, I think they've watched all of the ones that are on Netflix. So we're going to have to try and find, like, stream them from somewhere else now, I guess. But yeah, yeah or I don't know. You got to, you got to wait for season two if you want to go with yeah. Netflix. So it's like, yeah. No, yeah. It's like you can read it or you can order it or you can find it online. And it's like, but I know that, like, it's got, like, what? fucking like 2000 episodes I don't, oh, I don't even know i mean like i don't we, even know before kids we were watching naruto like as i was you have four kids oh no but i said before we had kids, oh before kids I, I was gonna be like girl <laughs> how do you still write <laughs> books <laughs> i don't know two is definitely enough yeah my partner and i like 20 years ago or something we're watching through naruto oh, and, like, okay yeah sort of so you're, so you're if like ever get caught up and it's how do like, we do that yeah and now I'm like, no, it's never. I've, and then we started watching it again with, the, with our kids. And I'm like, we're never going to see all of it. It's going. <laughs> I know. Because any free time I have, I just read. And yeah. Then, it's um, good there... that balance in free time. And it's kind yeah. of like reading. And I, I'm a gamer as well. So I'll play video games. If I yeah. You got to find time for yourself. Time yeah. For hobbies and... Yeah. And I think like now that I'm past like the book release cycle, it's nice to kind of be looking at oh I've got time like maybe I can sort of remember what it's like to have hobbies (laughs) that's how I felt because I read your book like in order to have like it read and a review out by the time it released and so now I'm like oh I'm good I'm good (laughs) and it was such a nice feeling like just to not be like high strung and be like oh I gotta meet a deadline and all that shit yeah yeah Yeah. I get it it's yeah, a nice time uh, to be able to sort of wind down, I think, like, just even though there's always things that need be, to be done, but I'm looking forward to, like, it's the important. holidays it's important. and just chilling. Yeah. It's important to tell people, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting better. I'm definitely, like, over the, you know, the past three books, it's, like, I'm getting better at sort of trying to be protective of my energy and time, and I think it's an ever-evolving struggle for you, balance you just gotta things. section it off like obviously there's yeah a part of your energy deserves what you need to do but there's a part of energy that you deserve to just relax and just whatever you know yeah the ever going the nerd like, uh, book club is also a therapy session okay <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah uh, i mean like I, I love what i do um i feel really really lucky to be able to have being an author is my career yeah so and you know this, all of the, this isn't your first around, book so. so obviously you're doing something right you know yeah <laughs> okay, <laughs> I keep doing many more <laughs> exactly so just a couple more questions okay i'm gonna throw this at you again what advice do you have for evie what advice do you have for rabble <laughs> oh my goodness I feel like if they took like good advice that would be like no story but yep that's what yeah. authors say so maybe yeah. if you want you I feel like beginning of the story or end of the story I feel like my advice to Evie is to maybe accept help from her friends and family a little more readily than she does and not feel like she has to do everything by herself um and you know like Ravel I think he just needs a hug like he's (laughs) he's like just a sad teenage boy who's got dad issues and you know like I feel like maybe I just give him like give him a hug and buy him like a coffee or something I think that's what he needs (laughs) I think that's perfect and I think that's really uh valuable for a lot of people <laughs> i like how evie gets the like just accept some help from your friends and her vows like right. just a hug. <laughs> well she's just like you know i'm gonna do this and then she's also like no you don't do this like <laughs> yeah i mean it's she's like no it's okay for me but i'm still she still feels protective over you know yeah um and i felt like you know like that's sort of kind of a relatable feeling from 
the teen years is feeling like you know you're just gonna do everything and it's uh, totally normal sort of watching her kind of you know and it's like that sort of I always think of that scene and you know in Scream where they're watching Halloween and they're like turn around Jamie and I'm just like yeah it's like you know you're watching her and you're like this is a bad choice but you know it's yeah you're like okay <laughs> some viewers are like they see it coming and some viewers are like what you know yeah that's so funny Sorry. um okay so Lyndall Clipstone uh Unholy Terrors where can you we find you on social media and online um so I am online all of my social handles are the same it's just LK Clipstone um I'm mostly on Instagram so you can find me there or wherever and my website is lindellclipstone.com so Perfect. Yeah, my book is out um, wherever books are sold, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you working on anything that you could talk about? Um, I do have another book in the works, which hasn't been announced yet. So I'm very slowly, quietly yeah, working little, on that. A little teaser. Yeah, I'm working on that in the background. It's another standalone, more of a horror sort of vibe this time. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Perfect. No, I can tell you were having a lot of fun and you keep having fun. Seriously. <laughs> keep doing what you're doing. I, I had a you. lot of fun. I had a lot of fun reading your book. I was, it was different for me, but I like, I could tell you had a lot of fun. And so I had a lot of fun. So it was very I'm good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and then once I understood what was going on, it was like, girl, get out of there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> run away, go back, go back. Yeah. And, but no, you were like, no, no she, she's gonna, she's gonna go through it. She's gonna figure it out. And yeah. no matter what, that, yeah. that's part of a good story. So Lyndall Clipstone, Unholy Terrors, that book is out now. Thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. I feel like we yeah, I have gone deeper and me. longer. <laughs> we could have talked forever. We Thank could, you so much. But... And and whatever you got going on, you're welcome to come back. Thank you. I would love to. It's been yeah. really fun. Thank you for having Thank me. You. And there you go. That was Lyndall Clipstone talking about Unholy Terrors. That book is available now. Go ahead and check out the show notes to find links on uh, where you can purchase the book and where you can find her online and on social media. Rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Uh, please do find us, um, Cantina Book Club, on all the social media as well. And make sure you subscribe to the blog and to the website so that you don't miss a beat when it comes to author interviews and the book reviews. Speaking of, if you want to look for um, your next book recommendation, go ahead and check out my book reviews on cantinabookclub.com. And while you're at it, go ahead and review the authors and their books too. It really does help them out. Um, And as always, thank you guys so much for listening.